Hey, aloha, everybody. This is Jeff Reimel. This is episode number three of the second season of Coffee with Coach. We've got a huge lineup for you today. We're going to get started right off the bat. Michael, it is St. Patrick's Day week in Ireland, and we are going to have a member of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish with us today as part of our college football segment. You guys got to be proud. Uh, yes, and thank you for coming on our St. Patrick's Day early special. I'm sure I get to watch that again. I enjoyed the crack as well, Jeff. Uh, yeah, obviously, college football, five-year commitment this summer starting, uh, and Notre Dame is one of the games next year, which is it's going to be unreal because like that will sell out the Aviva 50,000. So uh, excited to bring this guest on. Uh, and just, you know, I guess excited to see his commitment and his, um, his journey over the next, I guess, 12 to 18 months, especially, Jeff, when... Um, as it stands, Sky Sports, who you work for with the Peacock and NBC deal, show all the home or televised Notre Dame games. So we're going to see a lot of this guy over the next couple of years. Well, you know, this is such a great thing that Notre Dame, in, for the international fans that may not follow college football closely, Notre Dame is the program most synonymous with college football. I mean, you know, you go back historically all the way to Newt Rockney and Notre Dame was the first program to uh, have a national radio network. Way back in the 20s, Newt Rockney was forward thinking enough to offer Notre Dame games across the nation for free on radio. And it built um, what they call the Subway Alumni. And I'm going to have our guests talk about what, you know, some of the traditions and the greatness of Notre Dame. But certainly to have an opportunity to play at the University of Notre Dame, to wear that gold helmet, to play in, in a program that is steeped in history and steeped in tradition, it is really, really special. Uh, now, our guest has to go to class today. Now, it's kind of new for us. This, this is new ground for us to cover. So we got to get to him right away. This is Aiden Ekaika Kiana Aina. And uh, Aiden is from Colorado. He hails from Colorado. He left Colorado to go to Notre Dame. Welcome to the show, big man. Oh, thank you for having me, coach. It's awesome to have a guy who represents the most storied program in college football. And you and I had a real good conversation a couple of days ago about your journey and your family's journey, because there's a little bit of Hawaii tie here, not, not just a little bit, a big Hawaii tie. Tell the story about your family heritage and going all the way back to King Kamehameha. Okay. So um, Kiana Aina, as you said, um, means, or our ancestor Kiana Aina was the surveyor of Lang for K King Kamehameha, meaning he actually, there is a pyramid on in Kona behind, um, by Magic Sands that says the Kiana Aina burial. It's really cool. It's made out of lava rock. But so we have ties to the, much of the big island and that part and then my uh my grandpa he born and raised in kona hawaii lived there on the big island his life his entire life until 17 year old where he enlisted in the marines and served two tours in vietnam to which he uh, <laughs> as they say crazy hawaiians wanted to serve a third but of course the the people all the military men are like no you're, you're enjoying this too much. We can't we can't let you do this for your own sake, for everyone's sake. We cannot let you serve a third tour in Vietnam. So 
continued to work for the military. They stationed him in Germany on the army base where he had my dad and lives there still today. He, uh, and then, so my dad grew up in Germany on the army base. He uh, played basketball, played football there. He, uh, uh, he actually met my mom there. They went to high school. Uh, she was in Germany as well, and they went to the same high school. But after high school, he left to Hilo to play basketball at the university there. He uh, realized basketball might not have been his best best thing for him. So then he went to Colorado and walked on for football at Colorado State, playing tight end. He uh, he then earned himself a full ride scholarship there, and that's that's a big reason why I'm still from Colorado and love Colorado. All right, now it's it's kind of interesting because as we were as we were talking, you know, what I started doing the math, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I coached against your father. Now, now that I, I was probably 12 years old when I was doing it, but to be honest with you, I coached against your dad, and your dad um, played for he was the receiver coach at that time, Urban Meyer. At, mm -hmm. at Colorado State, and yep. and then, lo and behold, one of the schools that recruits you the hardest is Ohio State. When Urban was the head coach at Ohio State, tell me about the recruiting because I, I think, you, you know, obviously you mm -hmm. were a great player as a high school player, and mm -hmm. you were recruited all over the country. What was kind of give our listeners, our viewers, what a taste of what it's like to be one of the top prospects in America and being recruited by all the big schools. Well, honestly, it's, it's just unreal, you know, just to play something, to play a sport that you love, have a passion for, and then to be recognized by, you know, these college scouts and having them want you to play at their university or have, have you represent their name and their brand and their image. It's, it's something, it's a hard feeling or it's a hard, hard to understand that feeling it's so it's it's very i really enjoyed it and something so unreal for me uh i would always call coaches all the time uh tony up at ohio state coach up or previously coach elston here at notre dame um, all these coaches that talk to him every day not only just about football but about life about how school is going you know how they would ask how my dad is how my mom is you know any interests i had in general it's just beyond, they they would always go beyond the coaching aspect of it they wanted to be there as a like they want to give guidance. They want to just know about your day. Is they kind of want to be a friend. They want to be a coach. You, it's it's something that not a lot of people get to feel, and something that I am very special for having. You know, it's actually a surreal thing, and I know that from from being on the other end of that, that the key thing is building relationships. Right, make it hard for the player to say no. Who was the hardest guy for you? to say no to at the end when you, you've been through it all you've done your visits you've done they've come to your house the whole thing and but now it's down to that third that i think it's the second wednesday in february and you got to make a commitment for where you're going to spend your college football career who was the toughest guy to say no to um referencing again tony alfred he uh, he was running back uh for csu when my dad played there and so he, I've known him my entire life growing up, you know, 
almost like an uncle to me. It was, and he, he was probably the hardest with the relationship I had before that. And then on top of him recruiting me, that was a, that was a very difficult, difficult person to tell him. Cause I called him myself. I'm like, Hey, Tony, I'm not, unfortunately you're an amazing coach. You know, you're an unbelievable recruiter, unbelievably with the relationship we've had this past year, you and your Ohio state's an unbelievable program, but I just, it, I, it wasn't for me. It wasn't where I best fit. Um, some other great coach, coach Salva, who was originally at Oregon, big Polynesian guy. He, uh, I love his enthusiasm, his energy. He, uh, he was a difficult one to, to look past because, but he was, he was very, he was one of my first offers. Actually, Oregon was my first offer and he was very engaged with me all the time. So much energy. He took me aside to personally work with, work with me and show me hands-on just how he likes to teach, teaches students or teaches players. And so he was another tough one. Well, I'll tell you what, you, you get big Joe, right? And who played nose tackle in the national football league and still looks like he could play. I'm, I, you don't want to. <laughs> That, that one you better say no by long distance. You don't want to be saying, <laughs> be saying no to him right next door. Hey, fans, get your – if you've got a question for Aiden, if you want to talk about Notre Dame football, get it in. Uh, we'll show it up here, and Michael will put it on the screen. We've got listeners just checked in from northern Alberta. Here they listen to you. We've got fans from Hawaii, from Europe, from all over the place. Make sure when you – when you get in, that you tell us where you're calling in from or checking in from. All right, now let's get on to it. You've, you've made your decision to go to Notre Dame. Here's a program that, you know, Alan Page, I could give you a million great defensive linemen that have played at Notre Dame. It's, it's a school, you know, Golick and on and on and on and on and on. When you thought about what it's like to come out of that tunnel, to touch, play like a champion today, to see the Irish guard, to hear that, you know, that that most iconic of all college fight songs. What was it like when you showed up the first day as a freshman for training camp? Honestly, it was a dream. You know, you see, you read about it, you watch it, you watch it in movies, Rudy example, you see all these, you hear people talk about it, but to actually experience it and be a part of that tradition and that culture is something that will last that will be with me for the rest of my life you know it's uh the experience itself being able to wear that Notre Dame helmet to wear that gold to be a part of the family and forever be a part of that family is something that is going to benefit me for the rest of my life and be a huge part of my life going forward okay now you mentioned something you hit on something that I think is really important to talk about right you mentioned about, you talked about a brand, which Notre Dame is a brand. There's no question about it. It's an NBC product. It's, it is a huge, huge business. You guys generate millions of dollars every time you play. You represent something that's unique and different in college sports. You got to be a good student to go to Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. South Bend, Indiana is not for everybody, particularly <laughs> in the wintertime. Um, do you feel a responsibility to all of those guys that wore that gold helmet before you, all the Heisman Trophy winners, Tim Brown, Joe Theismann, all those guys through history. Do you feel a responsibility to that as you wear, as you represent that brand? 
um, I wouldn't call it a responsibility. I would call it more of a family. You know how you're, you, it's kind of like a responsibility, but there's love everywhere. You know the people, everyone being the greats, being the ones that people don't know that have all sacrificed and have gone through the same experience you have. And you play for not only yourself, but you play for them. You play to re represent what they represent, to show them that, that, that you're a part of what they are and what they stood for and that you have the same values and you're going to go on that field and play your heart out. All right. Now, uh, I don't know if you know this, but my parents moved to South Bend, Indiana when I was a kid because my dad was in pro baseball and my mom said, that's where my grandparents are from. So my mom said, we're keeping these five kids here. You go do your baseball thing and then come back. So I sold programs in that stadium, right? And I used to dodge the Andy Frame guys and, and sit by, you know, where the tunnel as you guys come out, those big pillars in the tunnel, right? Yeah. Well, I, used to, I used to hide back there as a little kid so I could come out through the stadium with the team into the, you know, I'd get caught with the team and I'd come out into the stadium. I'm telling you, dude, to this day, to this day, the hair on the back of my neck stands up when I see those gold helmets in the end of the tunnel. It is electric. Now, when you stepped on the field for the first time, when you took your first college snap, did you look around and see that 80,000 and go, man, I've done it? What was the reaction that you had? It was, it was like a movie. I, I, I ran on that field, and then everything, all, time froze. I just... I took a look around me. Everything was in slow motion. I saw the, the team across from me, you know, these college players. I see cameras in the air. I hear fans screaming. You know, it's so so loud. You, you can't think what's going on. I, I, look, I see a sideline, my coaches signaling crazy signals. I'm here. I'm trying to – it's it was – was, everything was in slow motion but happening so fast. And – at right when I, that play finished and I ran off the field, it, it hit me. It's like, you are now a college Notre Dame football player for the Fighting Irish. <laughs> you know, before we take a trip behind the curtain a little bit at Notre Dame, I want to talk about um, I want to talk about you. OK, now, obviously, or I shouldn't I guess I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but you have a dream about playing in pro football. Yes, of course. OK, now. If the if it was the perfect world, right, and they and the commissioner stepped to the microphone and he says, with the whatever pick of the NFL draft, the select Aiden Ikaika Kiana Aina, who would it be? What would be the team that you love to play for? Where who would the commissioner send you to? Well, if I had a choice. I think I have to be a little biased and do the Denver Broncos just just because I, I grew up watching them play. I grew up my, my parents had season tickets and I'd watch, go there every Sunday, every time I could to go sit there and watch those players. And we sat right next to the tunnel. So watch them run out under the huge Bronco blow up Bronco and to see all the players the greats being from Champ Bailey to Von Miller play there to, to Marcus Ware, seeing them all run out onto the field and just play there. And just growing up with that team, I think that's the team I would want to play for because I love the city of Col the, the state of Colorado. It well, is I, it's I, so beautiful. <laughs> I tell you what, you've made Michael's day because he is the biggest 
Denver Bronco apologist in the world right now. <laughs> You've gone through a transition at Notre Dame. The guy that recruited you, right? Coach Kelly is gone. He's now at LSU. Uh, Coach Freeman's now taking the controls at Notre Dame. Young guy, defensive guy, uh, completely in my in my outward view of it, completely different guy than than Coach Kelly was. You guys have spring practice tonight. Your first your first day in spring practice. What do you anticipate the change is going to be between Coach Freeman and Coach Kelly? Um, like you said, he's a younger coach. So a big thing that he brings to the table for us is energy. The amount, the amount of energy with whether it be the different periods we have, Coach Freeman is involved with everything. He has music blasting everywhere. He emphasizes competition with any drill we do. He's in the he's in the mix with us, getting us hyped up. You know, he now since he's not just a defensive coach, he has to be offense. He's there supporting the offense. He's there pushing the defense. And with him, especially that we didn't see much of with Coach Kelly is he likes a lot of teamwork, being working with each other, the offense and defense working together, whether it be scrimmage scenarios. He he loves those types of deals because he wants he believes that the best the best way to learn football is to play football. And so that's what he, he brings a whole new level of energy and competition to the table that just excites all the players. OK, now, when I was growing up in South Bend, right, I was a high teenager in South Bend and I used to go over and watch him in spring ball. It would be little later than this but it would be you'd go over there some days and the snow would be blowing sideways and it would be freezing and they were more worried about staying warm than getting through practice you guys have that beautiful indoor facility now you probably won't go out till the spring game like two hours of your day on the football field right doing your thing then you've got class and then what what is your day like let our people know what the day of a division one college football player at Notre Dame is like. Well, depending on the day uh, for Notre Dame spring, the football is in morning. So to, for example, today we had a six fifteen. Um, we have six fifteen wake up. And so all of our, all of our stuff is in the morning usually. And so our practices are usually in the morning and we wake up usually around six have to be at the facility by 6.30 and then be ready for meetings by 7. Meetings will run till 7.30 where we're out on the field starting our stretch. And then we have practice until 10.30. And then after that, we uh, it's classes after that. And then we also come back after classes usually to meet individually with your coaches just to review film or review that practice. This is all that though is based off like the player, but pretty much every player voluntarily goes in to meet with the coaches to review that film. So it's spring is usually very hectic and it's every day, every day of the week. We're up that early working, whether some, some days it's practice, some days it's just a meeting and film and a lift, but that's it's Monday through Friday. And then Saturday are big practices where we wake up at nine, have meetings, and then we end by one. So that's that's about that's our big spring schedule. Well, we got a guy in Dublin, Ireland named Simon that wants to ask a question or has a comment. So, Michael, let's hear what let's hear what uh, Simon in Dublin has for Aiden. 
I know Aidan's got a class in like three minutes, so I'll just put it like this. Simon wants to know, uh, along with a lot, a lot of people, how pumped are you guys to come over here next year? Because obviously it's one thing playing a game in the States, but to play in, in Dublin with a fight in the Irish, etc. It, it must be exciting. Oh, yeah. Um, I was very, I was severely disappointed when my freshman year, our Dublin trip got canceled. It was something that was, it wasn't a reason why I committed to Notre Dame, but it was definitely a plus, a huge plus factor, being able to travel and play that and have that tradition and just play in another country and an island. That, it was such a cool thing to, to, you know, have to have prepare for. But with it being canceled, I was super disappointed. But then them rescheduling it just brought so much energy to me. And especially against Navy, that, that rivalry game is so much fun. Not not fun to prepare for with their uh, the triple off yeah. <laughs> yeah, that triple off <laughs> option. But to play the game itself, it's still so much fun. Fans, watch number 92 at Notre Dame this year. When you watch Notre Dame football on Sky Sports, on NBC Sports, uh, they, they are televised more around the world than any other college football program, the most accessible college football program in the world. We talk about the Green Bay Packers, you know, Lambeau Field. Well, South Bend has 125,000 people in it, and Notre Dame has an 85,000-seat stadium, and it's packed every game. So, again, like I say, Aiden, thank you so much for being a part of our show, for, you know, representing the University of Notre Dame and your family with class. And fans, number 92 in the middle of the defensive line at Notre Dame. Put the highlight on him because he's going to have a great year. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. That, again, Thanks, Aiden. All the best, man. Awesome, right. man. Thank you. Thank you. Go to class. <laughs> <laughs> Here ain't, it was... ain't it great talking to those young cats? I mean, there's a kid, right, that has you know, a – what a great background, right? Family's from Hawaii, grew up in Germany. Dad played at college. I mean, awesome. And he's playing at the most prestigious program in the country and gets it. You know, he gets it. He gets how important it is. He gets what it stands for. He gets all those things. Really, really, really great to have Aiden with us today. I know we're going to talk ball. And you got Calvin Hogwood coming on now in a minute or so. But uh, can I just publicly thank Tom Brady for... Uh, one, ruining my Manchester United game at the weekend. And two, oh, keeping me up late. Think about, think about what TB12 did for us, man. It's incredible, he gives another it? year of genius. And he gives us an opportunity, as all of us fans, I'm considering myself a fan in Europe and the UK, right? How big is that game in Munich going to be now? Because I mean, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right here, I'm calling it right now. It's going to be TB12 and Patrick Mahomes battling it out in Bayern Munich Stadium. I'll be stunned if it's not Mahomes. I'll be stunned. But obviously, we are speaking uh, on our own accord here. Here, Cameron's here now. Do, do, do you want to introduce them? Yeah, let me let me, let me bring on Cameron. Uh, now, our second guest today is a guy that works with us at Sky Sports. Um, You've probably read some of his stuff. He's he's a young guy with a great future in, in in journalism and a great future and a huge, like huge, knowledgeable NFL fan. 
This is Cameron Hogwood. And Cameron, you got like so many titles, I don't know what to call you. So kind of introduce yourself in terms of what your titles are at Sky. Yeah, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's great to chat to you, Jeff. It's, uh, it's been a little while since we uh, caught up. But yeah, my, my official title is Digital Sports Journalist. So that's mainly covering NFL stuff. That's probably the strength of what I do. But I cover a lot of different things, kind of NBA, a bit of boxing, a bit of tennis as well. So a bit of a jack of all trades and maybe master of none, some might say, but uh, I don't know. Okay, now we might talk boxing with you a little bit here because I love <laughs> boxing. But we ain't talking tennis. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Let's get to the NFL, all right? There's a couple things I wanted to throw at you. You know, obviously, we're heading into free agency today. And, and the free agency, uh, I guess the free agency meter has already started to move, right? And we got a huge, huge story broke this past weekend with TB12 saying he's going to come back. Were you surprised as a, as a journalist? Were you surprised by that? I was more surprised by the timing. I, I kind of saw an interview with Gronk a couple of months ago where he said, I think he might come back in a year. And I thought, yeah, may, maybe that's where I stand. I could see him coming back in a year, maybe kind of assessing where the Bucks are at. I know they've got kind of a lot of free agents. So I wasn't too sure he'd walk back into that situation. But so I'd say the timing surprised me. But uh, something always told me there was a chance he'd come back. I mean, you look at me, him and Gronk are nine touchdowns away from Peyton and, and Marvin Harrison. He, he'll want to he'll want to surpass, surpass them too he, he wants to play to 45 and he's going to do that now and i think there was a couple more things that he knew he could tick off and the fact that the baffling thing is he didn't walk away because his body made him he come off one of his best seasons ever he he walked away to spend time with his family looked at the state of the nfc and thought look it's i can i can still win in this league and yeah so like i say timing surprised me but decision i'm not surprised at all yeah, he spent time with his family a month. He's that's enough. He said, I, I, I've, I've seen <laughs> enough of you guys. I, I like Gronk better. <laughs> hey, you you follow the draft closely, and I, I've watched your your comments about the combine. Let's talk about the combine a little bit. In your opinion, as a journalist, is it overhyped, or is it, or do you feel like you actually, when you get combine reports and you look at the combine do you actually how much value I guess is what I'm saying do you put in it I think it's really hard because it gets hyped up the week before every year everyone goes mad for it and you kind of get lured in a little bit it's hard not to I think for me I, I think it's a bigger platform for for guys that we don't know people like from HBCUs who don't get that exposure and we get to see them this week and People like Danny Gray, who comes out of nowhere and, and runs a really impressive 40, and you, you're suddenly looking out for these guys, and you're watching their film on YouTube. So I think from that perspective, even though it might not tell us anything about the player, it puts these guys on our, on our map, on our radar. And I think for that reason, it's good. It gives exposure to players that, that maybe don't get what they deserve. I think the, the quarterback drills, you have to look at them and, and you can be enamored by a throw that looks pretty, but then you can, you can also think... What if he's thrown that into to free uh, triple coverage, double coverage? You're not quite sure. He hasn't got a, uh, a Joey Bosa running at him at full speed. He's not wearing pads. So I know that gets gets thrown around a lot, but you, you have to take it into account because it's not a real-life action situation, and, and that's where you want to see these guys. So I always go back to the tape. I think that's that's still the most important thing. I think that the biggest thing in combine week is definitely interviews. It's where, where teams get to learn about a guy. 
I guess we don't get to see that side, unfortunately, which would be nice if we got a little insight into to these team meetings and kind of watching players draw things on a whiteboard and seeing how clever they are and getting to see them draw up players. But things like the 40, I enjoy watching it. How much you take from it, I, I'm not too sure. But the, the, the shuttle drills, the free cone drills are quite good for offensive linemen. I guess you get to see the footwork in, in person and live. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. It's You kind of have to temper expectations when you watch it and not get too allured into to how quick an offensive lineman is when we all slated Orlando Brown a couple of years ago for how slow he was and <laughs> harshly. And, and then look at him now, he's kind of one of the best in his position in the league. So, yeah. Hey, you know what? Uh, if you fans, if you've got a question for Cameron, get it in uh, and get it to Michael. Let us know where you're calling in from. And then, you know, obviously Cam will take your, take your question. You know, Cam, uh, as you looked at the draft, Right. And I know that everybody, you know, this quarterback thing is now getting like it's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely lunacy crazy. Right. The, the you know, the carousel starts to spin and I'm looking at the draft. And, and you know, I said this to Oliver, who, you know, who, who's on the show talking about the players every week. I don't see other than maybe pick it at the end of the first round. I don't see first round grade quarterbacks in this draft. I just don't see them. How do you, how do you see it? Yeah, I'm a, a similar feel. I know it's a very divisive class and no one's quite sure, but I think that's maybe because there isn't a standout guy. And what we've had in the past, Trevor Lawrence was, we kind of knew he was a standout guy. So we automatically, he maybe he, we raised expectations of the class. I do like Malik Willis, but again, you look at the competition. I think that's why the senior bowl was so good for him because we saw him against good competition and, and that was a nice insight. But yeah, the, the kind of thing I'm trying to, I don't want to heap onto these guys because a lot of them have had good experience in college where we look at a guy like Trey Lance who played 17 games and we're going mad for him and we don't know what he's going to bring yet. So I don't want to be too harsh because how often are we all wrong about draft picks? So if we're kind of saying these guys won't play well, I would not be surprised if they go on and surprise us by by being great in the NFL. And I do think situation counts. Look, look, Trey Lance goes to San Francisco and because Carl Shanahan's there, I feel really safe that he's going to be a great player in the NFL. And maybe that's that's what comes into it. But I, I'm with you. I think Kenny Pickett's probably my, my standout from the class. I liked Sam Howe when we kind of saw him with, with Daz Newsom and Michael Carter at uh, North Carolina a couple of years ago. As a junior, I'd say, yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. And then, then yeah, you I mean, looked at him and as a senior, and I, maybe it's me, right? Maybe it's me, and it may be me, but he looks too much like he looks he looks too much like Baker Mayfield, and not not just physically, but the way he plays. And because when he had to make more plays as a senior, it didn't quite translate to what you wanted to see. Yeah, um, kind of lost that that skill position group, didn't he? And you kind of wondered what he'd do, and it maybe yeah, it didn't lie out, did it? All right. Now, when, when we have guests on, one of the things we love to do, Cam, is kind of talk about your football journey, because football, you know, there's only 3000 guys that play the game at the highest level. Right. And but there's so many other ways to be involved with the National Football League, whether it's as a coach, whether it's as a journalist, whether it's as a fan, whatever. Right. How. What was your journey, your football journey, to be the digital uh, media guy at Sky Sports NFL? Yes, I guess I'm probably a bit of a late comment to the game. I'm I'm only 24, so I I started watching the Giants when kind of Victor Cruz 
is maybe coming to the latter stages. You're 24. You ain't a late comer to nothing, brother. You're just a a young guy. You got. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, probably Victor Cruz, that kind of the the latter years of his career when he kind of played that final year, final two years in New York. And when OBJ came into the league, it's a little cliche. OBJ, I was kind of in love with this superstar that came into the league. And I've always wanted to be a sports journalist. So, going to uni, I kind of look around the country and everyone wants to write about Premier League football and everyone wants to be a Premier League expert, which I could do, but I wanted to do something different. I, I want to move to America one day. So I thought, what is the, the best way I could do that? So I kind of tied in kind of watching the Giants with, oh, maybe I could could write about these guys. So alongside studying at a university, I kind of took on voluntary writing roles with a few different websites, talking about the Giants, just the NFL in general. Uh, and then started off out of university, a, a local newspaper in Kent, right at uh, Kent Messenger. So they were really good to me. They helped me kind of do that alongside. So I was writing about cricket and all sorts there. And then alongside that, I was doing still voluntary NFL writing. Applied for the job at Sky, was was fortunate enough to get whittled down to kind of the final 10. And from there, kind of got it on what I think was my NFL knowledge in the end. So that was kind of how I got into it. But yeah, Victor Cruz. We got Victor Cruz that got me into it. So you're a big G-Man fan in the NFL. Now you mentioned the Premiership, so I got to ask, who's your Premiership club? <laughs> Liverpool, big Liverpool, big up the Reds. <laughs> See, me and Neil, me and Neil can outnumber you at the weekend. I know, and and you know what? And my leads needs help, so I, I'm I was out. I'm, I'm recruiting fans to you know turn your back on the Reds and come with the Whites. Yeah, well, I went to uni in Leeds, so I've got a lot of friends that are from Leeds, which is, uh, so yeah, I do, do have a little place in my heart for Leeds. Michael, come on out a second. <laughs> Let me see if we can get him out of here. I wanted to, I wanted to uh, Michael is also, you know, he's, he's made all kinds of, you know. I heard the word Leeds, Leeds there and I just sort of died a wee bit his, inside Jeff. His, his choice of football teams, is, he's a Broncos fan, Right. And a Man U fan. So I, I can't help the guy. I, I tried. I can't. He, they, he's uncoachable. He doesn't take, take coaching. He's, he's what? I, I was actually going to say a story, though, Jeff, after just after Cameron. But I'll, I'll tell you two lads now. I was in Belfast at the weekend. And there's Cameron's a massive, massive Liverpool store. Loads of people in it, like big, big Liverpool shop. And over the road was really like dinky sports shop leeds united shop not one person in it jeff um oh stop with this like, don't make up don't make up stuff. i swear i i should have took a picture it's real and there was an everton shop beside it so i'm not lying all right if, it, if it's real then i challenge you to put it on the screen because if it's real then then we're gonna have to verify it cam what's what's up for you now as we go through the spring as we go through the there is no off season we call it an off season yeah you know as well as i do there is no off season what's the schedule now what can what can people expect from you and how do they how do they get to your work? Yeah, I'm kind of looking ahead to the draft now. I did a did I've kind of lined up a few few players. I don't want to say just in case they bail on me. So I'll tell you off screen, Jeff, at some point. But a few draft prospects that we should have some good interviews with. I suppose one of maybe the top tight end in the draft today. So one to look out for. But yeah, other than that, just kind of keeping track of all this this offseason news. I was just looking then and Christian Kirk, someone get that agent over to Devonta Adams. I mean, he just got a contract with the Jags, making the third highest paid receiver in the league, which is astonishing. So, yeah, I mean, keeping track figure of all that, that craziness. One, figure, <laughs> figure that one out. That's what free uh, agency does. 
That's what free agency yeah. does. It makes guys rich, right? And a lot of times yeah. it makes guys that don't deserve to be rich, rich. Um, hey, man, it's been awesome having you on the show. We're going to get you back periodically through the spring because there's a lot of stuff we want to chop up. And, and uh, again, how does a fan get to your work on Sky? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at, at CH underscore Sky Sports. I'm quite active on Twitter. Uh, just look on the Sky Sports NFL page on the website and a, a lot of my work's there. And yeah, Instagram, you can find me on Instagram, just at Cameron Hogwood. So yeah, if you want to ever talk football, just give me a message and I'm, I'm always happy to talk with people. Hey, Cam, it's awesome having you with us. And, and again, in spite of the fact you're, you're a Liverpool fan, you know, again, <laughs> we will not hold that against you. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All See right. You. Great job, Cam. Thank you so much. No worries. Take care. I, I hate cutting people off. Cameron's in nowhere. Sorry, Cameron. Uh, that was that, that was really good. Um, He's bright Cameron's young kid. I, I, awesome, I, so. It was impressive when I when I first when I he first came to Sky. You know, he I talked to him one time. I thought this guy this guy's good. This this young cat's good. And I love to see young guys. You know, starting to you know find their way in the business. It's a really cool deal. It's pretty cool to see, like, just the digital scope as well grow with with the game, which is awesome. So, yeah, like, uh, definitely, caught, definitely followed Cameron on social media, folks. Cameron Hogwood, H O G W O O D. Uh, Jeff, just an update on that Leeds thing. Uh, it's a real shop, and they're trying to close it down. They're, they're trying to sell it on. This is a real thing. I will. Uh, I Jeff, I swear to God, because I was walking going, because I haven't been in Belfast in the while. I was like, why, why is there a Leeds shop here? Like why? Because, because we're everywhere. Because we are. Something told me, Jeff. Something, something told me. Should I take a photo? Should I take a photo? Should, <laughs> should I? Should I tweet it out? And if I, I'm not tweeting this out on the Saturday, like, hey, hey you know, it's let real. Say, let's, let's let's talk a little ball here. Deshaun Watson. Where's he going? What's your take? Oh no! Did you just put that up? That's look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that that's beautiful? No, it's not. That's beautiful. You'll have to get you have to get Bielsa and his translator on the show at some point. Um, I think that's a, that's a really good question about Sean Watson. I think the whole scope with Brady last night has sort of just shifted the momentum so much now. I mean, there's talk to Carolina and New, and New Orleans are interested, but just exactly how much is that interest? And there's obviously trying to be light about the whole situation obviously what happened on friday he could still miss time in the league oh no so, question he's got to testify today right yes. i think no, or tuesday it is, is it, what is i didn't even know what day is. there's there's that do you know what jeff there is that much stuff and we're gonna have uh, oliver on in five minutes chat tight ends but there's that much stuff going on with the situation if i was a gm i'm thinking like there's definitely an element of gambling here. Like you know, you, you're if you get him in, he plays brilliant. You know, do you get him in? Does he miss six games? And does he? It's it's. I think it. it I I think it might take away more time than people think. I don't think it'll be it'll be round up by the weekend. But you I will listen, say this, Jeff. When you're if the Saints about... get him, if the Saints get him, Deshaun Watson the Tottenham against a high end team, Mahomes against Brady in Germany. <laughs> Oh, listening to you, listening to you be a conspiracy theorist. You got you're putting in all the pieces together. Here, Cameron's hey, right. Hey, what he's hey, saying, hey, 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 hey. What I want to know is, I know we got tons of Steeler fans, but I want to hear from Steeler fans about Mitchell Trubisky signing a two-year deal today. Does this mean the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers 
is in the hands of Mitchell Trubisky, who couldn't get it done for the Bears. And I think that's a that's a really interesting one because if that was one of the places where I thought we might see Watson, but again, like you say, that the layers and layers and layers of this legal thing, I think we're gonna it's gonna be a protracted deal. So I, I I'd love to hear what Steeler fans have to say about Mitchell Trubisky signing there today. The general scope that I've seen from a few lads in Ireland that were Steelers fans where they were quite happy that they have some sort of answer in our quarterback, but they think that they'll go into the draft. So um, it's it look, it's gonna be intriguing to see what they do, but I was a wee bit surprised when Trubisky was announced. I it, it look they, they needed the quarterback. I guess you could argue he's better than Mason Rudolph, but exactly where will they pick in the draft is is gonna be intriguing. Is he a long term option? He couldn't get it done in Chicago, so I mean, would you rather have Justin Fields or, or Trubisky? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and interestingly enough, day of day one of free agency, what do we see? We see Karras, the offensive lineman from New England, who's been a good player there, not a great player, but he's been a good player there. And, you know, he he's going to Cincinnati because Cincinnati's committed to making that offensive line better than it's been and to, uh, you know, help protect that quarterback who we saw do magical things in his second year in the National Football League. Uh, let's talk a little bit of college football again, but we're talking about college guys getting ready for the National Football League. Let's bring on, if we can, Oliver Hodgkinson, our draft expert, and we're going to talk about tight ends in the 2022 NFL draft. We're, we're going to bring him on in, in, in a little second. He's got some audio issues, and I know he's going to text us under when he's ready to go. Can I just say one thing before we do bring him on, Jeff? And Cameron said it there as well. Um, Christian Kirk, at the minute, is expected to sign with the Jaguars. 80, up to $84 million over four years. I repeat that, $84 million. Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk. Right. Now, I, th- I think about this, and I, I go... You know, I wonder what does Marvin Harrison think when he hears that, or or Jerry Rice, or Fred Fred Bolitnikoff, or you know, it's like Christian Kirk. Now he's not a bad player, but he's not an eighty-four million dollar player. But that's free agency. That's what free agency does. There he is. There he is, Oliver. I just brought you in with no with no warning whatsoever, Oliver. Perfect. Uh, nothing. Nothing. Your Premier League team. Sorry, who's your Premier League team? Because Jeff seems to be asking everyone this night. So, who's your? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, um, I, I with covering the NFL, American football, college football, I'd lost touch with soccer for what they were better for us. But I'm a long-standing Oldham Athletic fan. Who? It's it's Sorry. near Manchester, Jeff. What division are they in? Um, so, like the lowest division of football you can come think of. Well, so I tell you what, so they were, they were I'll one of the original a, teams. I, you know what? I'll give you a Premiership club, right? Oh, thank you. No, they no. wear beautiful white uniforms. They are they are God's team. they are God's team, right? Leeds United. So. <laughs> There you go. I, I know a few Leeds fans. They have a lovely song that goes something along the lines of we all hate Leeds scum or something along that, that yeah. line. So 
I'm, I'm up for that. I'll take that. Hey, all right. What you're going to take is you're going to take about 10 minutes and let's talk about the best tight ends in the draft because I love me some tight end. Yeah, there's uh, like, like the running backs that we discussed last week, plenty of great tight end talent in this class. And it starts at number one for me with Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. Not everyone's first choice of uh, tight end in this class, but for me, I love what Isaiah brings as a pass catcher. He's um, improved this year as a blocker. And I know last week we said, oh, you said, come to the show, bring me some blocking tight ends. We're going to start with Isaiah Likely. I recognize that graphic. That looks like a Pro Football Network graphic. Love it. Love to see it. Um, it does, yes. Isaiah, <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah Likely, coming off the back of a 912-yard season, most productive season of his college career with 12 touchdowns, 15.5 yards per carry. Um, but he's had at least five touchdowns in every single season he's played at the college level for Coastal. Speed threat up the seam. Quick feet, change of direction ability as a as a, a receiving threat. So he adds a little after the catch value as well. Um, and in terms of blocking, as we said at the top, he's improved this season. Coastal use him as a lead blocker. Um, he's willing in pass protection. He's got some uh, room for development, room for improvement in that in that respect. Uh, could probably seek to be a little stronger. Um, but uh, all in all, I think he's he's probably the best all-round tight end in this class. Okay, now, um, I don't dispute a single thing you said. My question, you know what my question's going to be, and it's always I'm always going to go here, right? The same as when we talked about Willis. Level of competition concerns me, right? Do you think he's got first round it, would you put a first round grade on it no i wouldn't i wouldn't put a first round grade on any of the titans and like the the well it seems like a common theme because with the quarterbacks and the running backs there isn't a first round grade on any of these positions for me so quarterback running back tight end i don't have a first round grade on any of of, of those three um but i i think you're looking at excellent value between Day day two, so round two, and even you know, round five, where this tight end class is concerned. You know, it's interesting you, you mentioned this kid because, um, you know, one of the things coaches always want is they want to do like comparisons. So, you know, who's a like comparison? Now, he's nowhere near Pitts' ability, but he's kind of like that tight end, right? He's, you know, 15 yards of catch. That's phenomenal for a tight end, right? And we saw how Pitt struggled so mightily the first half of the season last year until he kind of got his feet underneath him. This guy's really this guy's really uh, intriguing to me because what you have and what the ceiling for him is, I think, you know, he's got a he's got a how do I describe it? He's got a low floor but a real high ceiling, right? I think once he get, I agree with you. I think once he gets stronger. Because I don't see when I watched him play, um, Ali. The thing that you know, you always look with uns, you know, uh, undersized guys is 
aggressiveness. Will he, will he stick his nose in there, right? And, and you're right. I think that they put him all over the field. I mean, he was from wide out to fullback and tight end, right? And so he gives you some position flexibility that some of these other guys don't. So I, I, I can understand why you – now, for me personally, just that's not my taste in a tight end. But I can understand in today's NFL, I think there's a lot of GMs that probably feel just like you. And I think that's the the key thing is in today's NFL because you're seeing a a change in how the tight end position is utilized in the NFL. They're, they're no longer uh, getting there, do the dirty stuff, and maybe be a security blanket for for the quarterback. They they are asked to stretch the field vertically more than they have historically been. And you you know you mentioned Cal Pitts there. We're looking at NFL free agency, like a guy like Evan Ingram, who was only lined up to like twenty percent of his snaps in the um, in line last season. He was used more like a slot wide receiver. Um, so there is that change, in the, and as the NFL transitions into asking that of the the tight end position, guys like Isaiah Likely, who are like you say slightly undersized compared to the normal NFL tight end archetype, um, but he has got that excellent athletic ability to stretch the field vertically. So I think that the NFL will kind of go towards more like guys like Isaiah Likely. Who's your number two? So my number two, now we're talking, now we're talking a guy that might be on your level. Colorado State's Trey McBride. You got it, buddy. Look at that kid. What a specimen. Um, So he's just under, sorry, just over six for three. Just under 250 pounds. Actually, Colorado State listed him at 260 pounds, so he's slightly lighter than listed by Colorado State. He's coming off the back of an incredible record-breaking season for Colorado State, 1,121 yards. Only one touchdown, but he also – only one receiving touchdown. He also took a fake punt the distance for a touchdown for Colorado State this year, which was a magnificent sight to see. Record-breaking season. But this kid is more of an all-round tight end than Isaiah Likely is. So you're talking about probably a not a better blocker in this class for me than Trey McBride. He's physical. He's nasty. Instigates contact. When I look at blocking from the tight end position and the running back position, as we mentioned last week, I look at do they instigate contact or do they just accept it and and kind of live with it. Trey McBride's a guy who will go out there and he'll instigate contact. He'll go out there and look for for those battles. Um, a former high school wrestler and converted defensive end. You can see that in, in how he plays the game as a, as a blocking tight end. He's also a three-level pass-catching threat, right-running savvy, enough athletic ability to, to get the job done as a, as a pass-catcher. He's not on the side in playing as Isaiah Likely as an athletical specimen. He's not, doesn't possess that elite um, agility, change of direction and things like that. But he's got enough. He can fool the defense with head fakes and he can stretch the field vertically with enough speed to be uh, an all-round threat. Now, I, I, agree, I agree with your evaluation 100%. He surprised me a little bit on tape, Ollie, with some of the things that I saw him do a little niftier than I thought he would be. You know, I, you know, I, and I had read the report on him, and then I looked at the tape. And, uh, you know, like you say, physical, big catching range. Uh, again, same thing. I were and not worry. I would say, okay, the Mountain West, 
it's okay for you know, it's not he's not playing in the SEC, but I loved his aggressiveness. I really I, that part of his game translated. You talked about the the fake punt for a touchdown. He's a guy that'll come in and upgrade your special teams right now, and you know be I think a very very good second tight end as he works his way into the starting lineup. You know with what you do gives you some some position flexibility, but. Again, I like that kid a bunch. Who's your next? So you mentioned the SEC. Let's talk about Texas A&M's Jalen Weidemeyer because he is a guy who's played, plied his trade in the SEC for the past three years. Um, not as productive as the previous two guys, but he has averaged around 500 yards um, in each of his three seasons in at Texas A&M. Averaged at five touchdowns, just over five touchdowns per season as well. So he's got that productivity as a as a pass catcher. 6'5", 255 pounds, looks the part of an NFL tight end. Um, obvious red zone threat with his size. Um, great catch radius. Decent athlete in terms of straight line speed. Like um, Trey McBride, he's not going to wow you with elite agility. He's not going to make these knee-breaking cuts on a defensive back. Um, it can be it can be a little lumbering to watch him, but he has got decent straight line athleticism um, and a willing and able blocker as well. Um, for for a kid who wasn't asked to do that until he came to Texas A and M, he's kind of progressed every year in terms of his blocking ability. Um, a, a kid who a lot of people had first round grades of coming into this season and really talked very highly of Jalen Widemeyer, and like a lot of Texas A and M players, he hasn't. Um, hasn't probably lived up to that preseason perception, uh, but I, I still think you're going to get great value in the, the sort of the late day two range. You know that sort of round three value for Jalen Widemeyer. I think so too. I think he's a guy that you know you look at him and he's got the length to be up in the seam. He can run. Um, you know, I, I don't like his body, particularly because he doesn't. It's that's that body that I'm looking at isn't the body of a guy that's busting his ass in the weight room, right? I mean, he, I, I think he's, you know, who he reminds me of. I swear to God, when I'm watching it, I thought I was back in time. He reminds me so much of Martellus Bennett, another guy that came out of Texas A&M. Long, you know, Martellus was a better basketball player in high school than football player, and kind of learned to be a football player. Not, I mean, he, like you say, not your prototypical inline tight end, but tough enough to do it if he wants to. But, you know, boy, I tell you what, you talk about a target. Like, I looked at both his junior and senior years of tape, and I thought Kellen Mond, when he had Kellen Mond, Kellen Mond gave him a chance on some balls, contested balls. You know, he's got good body control for a great big guy. I like that kid. I think he's – I think he'll play in the NFL, no question. Um, and I think he has a chance to be a pretty good player. Who's next? Just, just before, just we, we move on to who's next. I'm, I'm intrigued by the, um, the, the body state. Let's call it that because this has been something that's been leveled at a number of Texas A&M prospects in this class. Kenyon Green showed up to the combine and he looked sloppy, for want of a better word. You know, he's a, he's a kid who, before the season, didn't look like he was carrying any bad weight at all. But at the combine, he looked kind of flabby. You just mentioned about Jalen Widemeyer. And as a as a former coach yourself, does that speak to something about Texas A&M's strength and conditioning program, maybe? 
Well, I think first of all, you got to start with the player, right? Because the weight room's there, and if the player really wants to do the work, he's going to get in there and get the work done, right? I I, I don't know who the Colorado State strength coach is, but you look at the body on the Colorado State kid, and you look at this kid, and is it a what are the what's the issue? Is it genetics? Is it I mean, look at that. You look and look at the softness in his arms and all of that. You know, he's thin bodied. That doesn't trans, translate well for the next level. Right. So but what that is and this is the great thing. You, you really hit a awesome topic to discuss. Is it the player? Is it the program? Now the scouts have to really do their work. Go back to the strength coach. What was his weight? What was his weight program? What was his progression? How much did he miss? What was his commitment? All of those things. That's the stuff that the scouts have to find out about. Because if his piss wasn't hot about being in the weight room as a college player, it when he you put a million dollars in his pocket, it isn't gonna get better, right? So typically, so you know, that's a great, great observation. Let's move on to tight end number four, which might be a little surprise for a lot of people. Boston College's Trey Barry. I absolutely love this kid. So one season, look at him. Look at that kid. Um, one season at the FCS level, um, we tallied 362 yards at 17, just over 17 and a half yards per catch, four touchdowns in an injury adult season. Um, so I know Boston College were hoping to maybe get a little extra eligibility out of him to, to bring him back for this coming season. They've got Phil Djurkovic coming back, Zay Flowers, a lot of key parts. They want to bring Trey Barry back, but no remaining eligibility. So six foot six, 244 pound kid who probably will need, you know, we, we talked about body type, needs to add a little bit for the NFL, but he's got incredible catch radius, really strong pair of hands. For his size, he's an incredible athlete. You've just seen the picture in there, diving into the end zone. His tape is littered with things like hurdles, you know, diving moves like like that. Again, great. What a great picture. That's when he played for Jacksonville State in the FCS. Um, but, yeah, impressive athlete for his size. Great catch radius, great hands. He's also showcased the understanding from a blocking perspective. So he understands how to... Uh, take the correct angles to open running lanes. He's, I think he's shown a little bit of improvement in that area in the time he's seen on the field at Boston College because the, the offensive line that he's been able to work around has been outstanding. You look at Zion Johnson, who will be a first-round pick as far as I'm concerned. Um, so there's a good understanding of what needs to be done as a blocker. Um, some of the strength will need to come. Some of the that will come with the added body weight, the muscle mass. Um, but yeah, I think I think Trey Barry's a guy that not a lot of people talk about, but he's got a lot of the things that you need to be successful at the next level. Hey, Mike, can you put that graphic back up with Trey Barry? Now, what in that picture would concern you? The knee brace. Absolutely. When you put that picture up, the first thing my eyes went to after the ball was his knee brace, right? Yeah. How much do we know about... Is it a surgical knee he's, he's was, you know, in his past or what is it? 
I would have to go back to my scouting report and have a look. I've got that noted in there. I can't tell you off the top of my head, um, but I will. Uh, I'll let you know exactly what the issue was there and, and missed time this season as well. So, like you say, it's it's another thing that adds up in terms of a red flag. It's a crossing the negative box, if you you know you want to you want to call it that, and and that can be a, a a byproduct of the lack of size at the position, especially as you get into you know the NFL level and playing at the FBS level versus playing at the FCS. This is this is hey, we're doing it today. We are breaking it down the way it needs to get broken down, right? Hey Fred Flunks in he says Mahalo fellas it's great to have you with us Fred as always every week one of the pioneer members of this tribe. Uh let's go on to your next tight end, your last tight end and this guy's a little bit fascinating to me too. I love Jeremy Rocket. So we um we have a group chat at Pro Football Network and we have what we call the really good club. And every time me and my colleague in watch prospects and we think, oh, it's a really a good guy. We'll go, All right, we've got an entry into the really good club. Well, after I watched Jeremy Ruckett, I was like, hey, we need to start a new club. We need to start the really fun club because Jeremy Ruckett is a fun player to watch on the field. Um Playing in the Ohio State offense, he has been limited in terms of its exposure as a as a pass catcher. But prior to this season, over a quarter of his um, receptions have resulted in a touchdown. Coming off the most productive season of his uh, Ohio State career, 309 yards, 11.9 yards per catch. He is just fun to watch, really fun to watch. Excellent catch radius, excellent pass catching technique. He's a deceptive athlete, I think, for his size. Plays with a little wiggle to his game. Um, he's right running savvy. He's clearly an intelligent guy who can look for soft zones um, to, to take advantage of. He's kind of explosive for a, a guy of his size. And then as a blocker, this is where the fun stuff comes in because there ain't nowhere that this kid isn't willing to put himself into. Now, he's not 100% technically sound as a blocker, but he will. In fact, in fact, there is significant things he needs to work on in terms of his timing as a blocker. If you watch him go flying at a guy and he's past the guy and he's halfway down the field sliding along on his chest, but it's so much fun to watch. He puts everything that he's got into every single blocking snap that he does. The, the intelligence is there in terms of, you know, we spoke about Trey Barry and taking the right angles to try and uh, to prize open running lanes. So the, the technical know-how is there. He's just got to kind of improve on his timing. And I think he's a, he's a guy that's going to have a long NFL career, I think. You know what? I, I, I love that evaluation, and I love this kid. And now I'm going to use a name because, again, we talk about like guys, right? But when I watched him play, I thought either that kid is a big fan of George Kittle or he's got some George Kittle in him because he plays like he loves to play. Like it's fun to get in there and block. Like it's fun to catch the ball and, you know, carry three DBs down the field. I mean, his, and, and to me, if I'm, you know, as a personnel guy, I want that guy because I want guys who love ball, who love, they play the game like, they're not trying to live forever. You know what I mean? And that, and that to me is, I, I think this kid is, you're, he's going to be a good NFL player. I really, really believe that. He comes from a, a small New Jersey town, I think. And 
very much like I, I read some interviews while I was doing this scouting report, and he's very much like a look. When we commit to something, we commit to something. We're all in, and he's that's been evident in you know he, he committed to Ohio State early, and he never renounced, never rescinded his commitment there. Every time he steps foot on that football field, he commits to whatever he's asked to do, whether it's catching the ball, whether it's blocking, what, whatever he's, you know, whatever he's tasked with doing, Jeremy Rucker will just go out there and give it his all every snap. Well, I'm going to tell you something, man. You know how they, you know how they have that, like in, when I was with Kansas City, we used to have this system where it was ascending, descending, or plateaued player. The way you're breaking them down for us, Ali, you are a highly ascending player. So next week, I'm going to challenge you. I want to say, okay, centers and guards, you got the you got the hog mollies, the, the big nasties that put their hand on the ground. But let's look at centers and guards and come up with our five best looking towards the draft. Can't wait. Some uh, great, great talent on that interior offensive line as well. That's awesome. And you know the Cincinnati Bengals are loving to hear that. Well, Cincinnati Bengals are – you know, shipped all over to Brandon Shirt. Yep. Money, baby. Money talk. <laughs> sorry, it was sorry, it was a it was a Jaguars that shipped out for Shirt, wasn't it? It was uh Alex Kappa that the Bengals have shipped out for. Yes. Karras to be fair though, early in the afternoon, so Karras went there also, right? So you you're talking about two real good upgrades for that that poor interior line that they had. Hey, um we'll talk free agency more. Great job, Ollie. We'll be back with centers and guards next week. Thank you very much. All right. And uh, again, Thank you. Speech. keep doing your Speech thing, brother. All right. Oliver, uh, Pro Football Network, PFN, Oliver Hodgkinson. Oliver, give Oliver a follow, Pro Football Network, not just a follow, but visit our website for some. If you want to learn about the draft, draft content, you better get with Oliver. Well, let's, okay, let's just plug the draft guide while we've got a second. So if you go to yes, profootballnetwork.com, hit the draft section, drop down, there's a, a a link to download uh, the Pro Football Network Draft Guide, which has got scouting reports, got interactive video content, uh, including player interviews that have been done by myself and my colleague Ian Cummins. And, um, yeah, all, all sorts of stuff in there. Big boards, right, scouting now, reports. This is unbeknownst to Oliver, so I'm going to see his reaction as we go Ooh. through this. Oliver, as the official draft guru of Coffee with Coach, We'll have a mock first round draft for you <laughs> later once we get through all the positions as we lead up into the draft. So, again, it don't get no better than coffee with coke. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. All right. I'll see you later, man. All the best. Latest. See you, lads. Jeff, uh, obviously, folks, Oliver Hodgkinson, Hodgkinson on. Um, Pro football, Pro football Network on Twitter. Give him a follow. We'll tag him on Twitter. Uh, great content, Jeff. Really enjoying Oliver's uh, content for the draft and PFN in general because it's getting me through these long nights in the offseason. Talking about long nights, uh, is it time for your Hawaii or what's the... Uh... Yeah, let's. This is, we're going to take you on a little trip this week. And this is our segment that we I love more than anything else. It's it's our, our Hawaii segment. And... This is a little bit of a trip we took this past weekend. Hey, aloha, and welcome to this week's segment of My Hawaii. Today, Leslie and I are taking a hike through the Volcano National Forest, and this is a beautiful, beautiful series of active volcanoes. Uh, as you look out into the what was once the cone of this volcano, um, 
this whole island was formed it's by, volcan by volcanic action. And the last explosion we had was actually 2018. So it's actually very, very recent. These volcanoes, Mauna Loa is the largest mountain in the world. It's 56,000 feet from the tip of the crater to the seabed below. That's 27,000 feet higher than Mount Everest. So this is our, these are our mountains here in Hawaii. And I hope you enjoy them as we hike through them today. Volcanoes, Jeff. Volcanoes National Forest is about eh, 45 minutes drive from here. You know, we were talking last night, we're having some work done on our house and, and the construction guys, actually Mana Silva, who played for me at Hawaii and then went on and played for the Cowboys, is doing the work. His, his construction company is back here on the island now doing the work. And uh, we were talking about the 2018 eruption, which was within a half mile of our house and how all of a sudden just the earth opened and lava flowed and Hawaii, we actually, this is the youngest of the Hawaiian islands and still growing because as the, as the lava pours into the, into the ocean, obviously it cools and creates landmass. So our, our, our island's getting bigger. Uh, was this the island that Mr. Mahomes got married on or is this a different one? Ah, uh, no, Pat was here. Pat was here on the Kona side um, and got married. Or, yes. And, um, but that's the other side of the island. That's where the rich people live, not the football coaches. <laughs> Congrats to Mr. Mahomes and his uh, his family. Uh, this this has been a good show, but you you've got something to sort of round it off, Jeff. Uh, Jalen Ramsey asked. Uh, yeah, you, you know, we, it, it, this is our segment we call from the meeting room, and what it is is a, it's a series of things that Sky's been good enough to let us use, where we actually telestrate part of the game for the fans. So this gives you uh, an off season. I guess if you're jonesing for football, then we're going to get to the telestrator. And this is about Jalen Ramsey and what Jalen Ramsey's presence does for the Los Angeles Rams and that defense. Jalen Ramsey is Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator's ultimate chess piece because he gets the numbers in the Rams' favor. And I'll show you how. Right now, you're going to see him. He's in coverage one-on-one -on -one with DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers in the National Football League. And that's not unusual, but what is unusual is what their Rams are able to do because of it. They're now going to bring a five-man pressure, all right? What in, in essence is a blitz, but they're not going to play blitz coverage because of his ability to handle one-on-one. -on -one. What they're going to do is going to have a low player here, a low player here, a high player here, and another high player here. And this player, if the back doesn't come out, will add and he will be another low player. So what you get is a numerical advantage. You've got three receivers against five defensive backs. Hard to throw into that. So as I clear this, I'm gonna run it. And now as you watch, you can see that Murray looks to this side and he sees that saturated zone. He knows he has no chance. The only place he can go with the ball now is back to the top of the screen and watch as if you want a clinic in how to play off man, you got to watch Jalen Ramsey. He's completely under control. Nice, short, quick backpedal steps. He plays at the sticks. He knows the down and distance situation. He's going to sit right at the sticks, drive on the ball, and he has great ball awareness once the ball's thrown. All right, now, 
Let's watch him on a couple other routes. Now, as you watch upfield here, here's that same matchup that we just talked about. He and DeAndre Hopkins. About 40% of the time, he's going to travel with the other team's best receiver. All right? So here we go. And now he's trying to beat him with, a, with a, a, what we call a hesitation move at the sticks, a little change of pace move. He squeezes him to the sidelines. And this is what's so unique about him. He's in that position right there. He's, there's no panic. He knows he's in control, and he now has the length and the reach to go up and compete for the ball, knock it out against a great, great player. All right, so again, let me show you the post cut now. You're going to see down here, in the same situation, Murray wants to try him on the post, and no go. This is a no-fly zone. This guy's a human eraser. He takes the best receivers out of the game. Jalen Ramsey, one of the great players in the National Football League and a key part of a Rams defense that just absolutely suffocated offenses on the way to the Super Bowl win. Loving the analysis, Jeff, and it's something I think a lot of people, maybe if they were watching, maybe just watching Game Pass during the season, didn't get a chance to maybe catch some of it. It's great to see because it brings people into it as well. Uh, have you anything else to say this week? Obviously, St. Patrick's Day. Well, I, of course, you got to watch the Irish NFL show because we have a phenomenal St. Patrick's Day show. And I say we, I just got lucky enough to get on it. And I'm, when are you guys going to roll that baby? It's it's us night. It's also, we'll, 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 we'll tweet it again uh, on Paddy's Day. I meant, like, not obviously thank you for the plug, but I meant, like, you know, What's the crack with you? Are you going to have a few scoops? Are you going to enjoy yourself on the Big Island? Or what's the. Uh... I, I'm going to enjoy myself on the Big Island. I got a coaches meeting I got to go to in 10 minutes. So, um, you know, again, we're, we're starting to heat it up, get ready to go for this, uh, this offseason. Going to Kauai for a couple of days, then heading over to uh, Honolulu. And we are bringing you football 24 7, 365, 56 months, or 56 weeks. Whatever you, however you slice it, 12 months, it don't matter because we're talking ball all year long. Awesome to have the tribe with us. If you hit us with a question, if you hit us with a question and we couldn't get it because of the pack show today, I will answer it on Twitter. All right. So check out Twitter and we'll be with you next week at Coffee with Coach. Jeff, see you next week. Thanks for the company. It was good crack and uh, happy party, said Jeff. Good luck. All right, mate. Thank you. All right. Aloha.